This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Caterpillar that eats the poison plant 
ends up becoming a butterfly, and being that that was the unique, that's what got its nutrition, it is poisonous and nothing else to eat it. So maybe the reward of suffering and going through a cocoon and going through a metamorphosis, maybe is that you're poisonous to the other side. That the Zahara and the Sata have a very hard time digesting or getting you to do a better because of all the trouble and pain that you went to become a butterfly. Just say that's interesting thought. I'll stay tuned as I read more and I'll let you know. Alright, so anyway, maybe my Haburas are prepared. And some of them, even though I'm preparing, I want to talk about Pinchas, and I want to talk about the three weeks and things like that. Uh, I looked back at my page from years and years ago, and I had focused, I had told a story about a fish, a whole story, and I came up this week that uh, somebody came to speak to me, and, and pretty much was asking, how do you know that there's no problem? How do you know that there's a Ganeiden and a Gehenna and a hell and a heaven? How do you know there's a Mashiach? How do you know there's another world? How do you know there's, there's such a thing as a soul? How do you know that when a person dies and then it's just, they put it in the ground and it's over? Finished, like you jumped off the cars. You know, you, you, you smash up the car and that's it, finished. How do you know Rabbi Wallace? How do you know? So I said to him that if you don't know, if you knew that it would be awesome. And you understand if you're sitting in a room and the windows are open, and I tell you that the sun's out, and you look at the window and the sun's out, you don't believe in me. You believe in what you see. So we talk is when you don't see something. One of the challenges of a human being is to believe in Hashem. If Hashem shows himself, you know, and there's a voice that says, uh, I'm God, and crazy miracles happen, then it's no more of a choice you can say there is no God. So part of our test going through life is being able to sort of a, in camp, a treasure hunt, sort of going through the world and looking at trees and the beings and everything that's going on in the world and understanding, like, Avon that there is a creator that created all of this. But I tried to give him a marshal, to give him an understanding of, of the other world and understanding that we don't know everything. So I told him a story like this. I think I told the story, maybe before, maybe it's before or now, but maybe it's the first year or now. So, it's a story of, of a bunch of fish in the bottom of the sea. Butterflies, fish, I don't know. Okay, anyway. So, there are a bunch of fish on the bottom of the sea, and there's these little baby fish, and they're all ready to go, ready to rock, and they're, they're ready to go, and uh, they have to get one lesson before they are grown up enough, and they're able to go flying, you know, floating, driving, fish, whatever, going to the, going to the ocean, swimming, actually, through the ocean. So, they talk to this old man who's the teacher, that's why they call it School of Fish. And they wind up at the rabbi's job. Okay. For all those who don't, didn't laugh, that's about as funny as I get, so you better laugh when you say the jokes. So, if I don't come back next week, I get a substitute because you didn't laugh. Okay? You know what I'm talking about. The girl back there didn't laugh. Okay, anyway. So the old teacher tells the fish, listen to me. This is the deal. You can swim around the ocean, wherever you want, but whatever you do, do not go to the surface. Do not go to the top. Do not swim to the surface. And they're like, why should we swim to the surface? And the, the teacher tells them, listen carefully. There's a thing called a human being. What's a human being? A human being is something that doesn't look like us at all. He doesn't have sins. He doesn't have gills. And he doesn't have scales. So then how does he swim, teacher? A human being doesn't well, it's in a pool, but they don't know about that. Uh, the human being doesn't really know how to swim, and he really can't live under the water. He has hands and feet. And the teacher tries to explain to these fish who have never seen a human being, 
that is such a thing as hands and feet and eyes and ears and, and they don't count. They don't they don't understand what it's saying. It says, but you have to know something about the They eat fish. They're waiting for you guys to swim to the top of the ocean. And when you get there, they'll be nets and they catch you. And then they take you, and they're like, okay, that's having a great adventure. Right? We're out of the ocean, the human beings have us in the net. Now what happens? Well, they take you home, and they smack you over the head, or they chop your head off. Then they clean your, your skin, they take all the scales off. Then they cut your belly open, and they pull out all your guts. Call them out right to guts. Call us not on. Okay. So what do we do? We push green, we push red. Sorry. I'm on tonight. Now I'm on tonight at the bottom of the ocean. You gotta make sure it's very clear. The fish are all the same. Okay. They're still not laughing. It's, it's really bad. So we're waiting for Paul Luffin. This is a little break. Okay, so we're gonna do a little advertisement in the meanwhile. Oh, okay. Okay, here, please. Put it on. Sorry. Okay, hold on. I want you to know that Garden of Eden on Avenue J served the best fish. Okay, we'll get a little after Garden of Eden, then next week we'll get to the fish. Okay, anyway, so. It's okay, I didn't sleep in three days, that's why I'm like this. So the fish. So, so this old man, like, it's like a cold threat, like, you know, and then they, they cut your head off and they pull your guts out, and then they take your bones out, and then they fillet fillet you. And then they put breadcrumbs on you and eggs, which knows what she's doing. And, and they put you in a frying pan and they fry you up. And then they eat you. And they're like, yeah, teacher, come on. We don't believe that. He says, and then the, the Jewish people, they take you and they grind you up with carrots and onions. And they put you on a plate with horseradish and mayonnaise called the fish. And they're laughing like you guys. Yeah, right. Grind yourself up like you've been carrots. And of course the fish don't believe the old man. They're like, just because you never got off the bottom of the sea and got to see the world, you don't want us to do the same. We don't believe a word you're saying. So, there's one little guy who says, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Still that on? Oh, come on. I gotta do another appetizer. We also have a hobby man special in the morning. It's very good. <laughs> testing, testing. I hope this is not like film. We need some editing tonight. First of all, the first three jokes gotta go. <laughs> all right, we're gonna do this a little bit. So, oh, oh come on. Hello, how are you? All the people listening in England, hello? They like fish and chips in England. All the people listening in Israel, very late. Australia, it's Thursday afternoon. You like to say hello to everyone in Australia? What fish? Fish and chips. Oh, fish and chips? We're pretty late too. Okay, I did both last night. We do fish next week. Alright, so anyway, this one little fish, you don't want to know what the rest of it is because maybe the old man is right. And as it's swimming away to the surface, 
he remind he remains on the bottom. Of course, they turn around saying, "You're a loser. You should have been a sardine. You know, you're a loser. Stay at the bottom of the sea. You should hang out with us. We're going to the surface." Now, what happens when they get to the surface? Of course, the people are waiting, and this school of fish, this whole hell of fish, comes to the surface, and there are the human beings waiting with their nets, and they put down the net, and hundreds of these hundreds of fish they hop in one second. And as the fish is pulled out of the water, and he's gasping for, I guess, water, I don't know about breath, but whatever, he's gasping for something, right? Uh, he realizes that what the old man told him was true. And now he realizes that if the old man was right about the human beings and the nets, then all of a sudden the fish are in terror because they know that he's going to end up in a filet and he killed the fish or however killed the fish however and can for the rest of their life and they realize that everything that they were told is true so it brings down that when a person leaves this world the last second when the neshama leaves the body it's either the greatest moment ever for that neshama because that neshama realizes that everything they did in the world all the mitzvahs and the Torah and it listened to the books and the rabbis and all the people that told them what to do, when they listen to it, they realize there is a Hashem, and there is a Ganeiden, and there is an Elam Hava. And that, that moment of death, when the, when the soul leaves the body, the realization of the truth brings great simcha to both the body and the Mishnah for that one second. But Chas Shalom, if the person did this, and said, oh, well, see, he just doesn't want us to have fun. And all the old rabbis, they don't know what means that party. And all the smarter, they don't know what they're talking about. And the Shemini is divinity just because they're old people and they don't remember what it used to be. So, these people, when they do their various their whole life, the last second when they leave the world, they realize that, uh-oh, everything else that they said, there is an Hashem, and there is a Sabbath, and they realize that they live a life of a lie, a life of trouble, and they're all of a sudden caught in the net, right? And they realize at that moment they're in terror, that they lived their life totally wrong, and they realized that they should have listened to the rabbi, and they should have done what they were supposed to do. Very much the summer months, girls, is a time where July 4th, and hot days, and partying, the time of partying, and there's many rabbis, and there's many scholars, and learn about Sinus, but Sinus is more in the summer than it is in the winter, and everybody wants to have fun, everybody wants to enjoy themselves. And we go to parties that we're not supposed to go to, and we talk to people that we're not supposed to speak to, and, and there's a certain freedom in the summer. And what we don't realize, I told my boys last night, I'm a fisherman. I happen to be, since I'm a little kid, I love to go fishing. And I'm not a mean guy, I'm a little one that throw back, don't be nervous. But I find it always very interesting because, you know, I'm not totally out of the box, right? And not out of my box, out of the box. And when you put a worm on the hook, Right, and fish for the worm. We use live worms. So the more the worm shakes, the more attractive it is to the fish. A dead worm doesn't attract as many fish as a live worm. Now, I always thought to myself, what happens if the fish sees the worm? What's the fish thinking? The fish is thinking, my lunch, right? What happens when he bites down on the worm? This is kidding, because this is, I never read this muscle in a good mind muscle. This is a rather wallowy muscle, but I think it's a very scary muscle. What happens, what's going on in the brain of this fish when he bites out of that worm? What does he say? I got the worm! Not knowing that the worm got the fish. The fish thinks he got the worm. At that moment, he is so happy 
later, when the when he's yanked out of the water, he goes, I didn't get the worm. The worm got me. And our Deva works exactly the same way. Ah, I did a sin, it was great. Wasn't that great? But you don't realize is you didn't get the Avera, the Avera got you. Who's at the end of that hook? Who is reeling you in? There's a fisherman sitting there. He's called the Eitzahara. And the Eitzahara sits there, puts out the bait. Sometimes it wiggles, sometimes it's shiny, sometimes it's on the internet, sometimes it's in a bungalow colony, sometimes it's at Walmart. Depending where you are in the mountains, where you are over here, and you're like, Wow, what a party! I did that later. What a great time I had! I realized that at the same time you bit down on that worm, and you did this Avera, the Avera did you. You didn't do the Avera. Because all the Avera is, is a bait. For the son of me holding the rod, the fishing rod, so to say, to bring you in, to reel you in, to take your shama out of its normal place, out of its water, and to make it gas for here. And, and it's very easy when you go fishing, you, you, you can think about, you know, what the fish is thinking over here. And so the fish is thinking, he has suffered, and he just got suffered, and I realized he just became suffered. Or a person doesn't have everything, you think you got some accomplishment, you got something, you stole money, now I got money, you did this, you did that, and you feel like, I have an accomplishment, I did something, not knowing that that something did you, that you did that something else. But it's a very, very important lesson. And I, and I was telling you to this, to this boy today, I said, you see, I can talk to you about Olam again. it's the same thing as telling a fish, but there's a human being, there's land, and there's the sun, and there's the moon, and there's all these things, and, and another thing came to my mind, that, that it says that, that, that when they come to the next world, the shark comes to the next world, he sees God in heaven. He sees both. And that way, if you're going ahead, they show you what you're, what you're missing out. And I was thinking to myself that when this fish is pulled out of the water, what's the first thing he sees? The sun. And the sky. And, and all the beauty of the world is the first thing he sees. So it's sort of like the same thing. He comes out there, but at the same time realizing that the, 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 the professor fish who told him that when you get out there, there's human beings and there's the sun and there's sky and there's air and all these beautiful things, but at the same time there's a human being up there that wants to eat you. The same thing with the Nefesh. Because the Ganadian is beautiful and there's beauty and Ganadian is beautiful and all this is beautiful, but the life at the same time when you leave this world, there's another something. So a person has to listen to the professor, not the professor, but to the rabbi, to the Spartan, that we learned that why are they write us from to teach the little fish, the young kids, the young generation, what is on the other side and how to stay away from it. And in the summer months, it's very, 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 very important. Uh, you know, it's not that your girls come with them, they're not fishing. And most girls, I know, I took my daughter fishing, and I said, you have to take the worm and rip it apart and put it on the hook. Yeah, you have one fishing again. So it's not like a real girl thing to go fishing. But I'll tell you another thing, and I gave a whole couple on this, not to you guys. For a long time ago, I called it the king under the rock. And when, when I used to go fishing in camps, so where did you get words to go fishing? Where you couldn't afford to go buy worms, right? So you to buy worms. So you would take a rock, I'm sure you've seen this, you take a rock and you turn it over. And you turn over a rock, and it's very wet, and it's bugs, and then caterpillars, and ants, and worms. So we used to go around flipping rocks and taking these worms and going fishing with them. So I thought to myself, some of you guys have never heard me before, like, what is this? Okay, listen, you gotta put up with me. I thought to myself, we live in the world under the rock. Under the rock. Who's the king? Who's the king under the rock? The worm. 
He's long. He's big. He's a man. Right? Every, everyone under the rock is bowing down. But they're all little teeny mites and caterpillars and loggers and slugs and all these nice things. Huh? Hope you all ate supper already. All these nice bugs that live under the rock. Who do they bow down to? Who's their king? The worm. He's huge. He's six inches, nine inches, four inches. He's, he's, he's huge. Along comes Robert Wallerstein. And all these bugs are living in this world under the rock. Along comes Robert Wallerstein and he flips the rock. But when one time walking flips the rock, the bugs are like, whoa, there's a sun, trees, wind, a rabbit, 14, 15 times the size of a worm, or 100 times the size of a worm, goes running by, a squirrel goes running by, uh, a, 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 a bird goes flying by, they're like, hey, worm, you're not the man. Under the rock, you're the man. But that's a little key dark world. And then the wolf comes a hand and takes the king under the rock with a big shot and picks it up and starts making it into little pieces to use as bits. And all of a sudden, all these things that bow down to the man realize that the worm is nothing. But in their world, under the rock, he's the king. But the world is much bigger than the world under the rock. And that's my share that they give them. And, and it's the same idea. That we think in this world that, that what's, what's, what's like the world? Money, beauty, actresses and actors, right? Music, all the things that they sell us in America and in the world, culture, that in our little rock over here, living on this world, it's the kind of car you drive, and what dress you buy, and the size of your house, and how much money you have to give you, and how pretty you are. And you walk around and you think, I'm the king, and everyone has to, you know, everyone has to serve me. What happens is when I go to Barbara, when a person leaves this world, and I go to Barbara, picks up the rock. And he takes you out of your body, which is the life of the rock, because the world that we live in, if you learn anything in science, Earth is a teeny little planet compared to all the constellations and the suns and, 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 and all the galaxies. Earth is a peanut. So compared to the rest of the world, we're not a peanut. But in this world, we think, oh, I can boss this girl around, and I am the boss of this company, and I have money, so I control this, and I'm a politician, so I control this. And in Shemayim, they're laughing, a bunch of bugs. What are you serving? You're serving a worm. You're serving nothing. Because the person that you're serving, and the person that you're like, wow, this actress is in town. We gotta go. This concert, I'm off. You gotta go to this room in the garden. Whoa! Yeah, I, don't, I can't quote the names, but I don't know the latest guy. You know, I'm still from the Beatles. That was from the, from the old guys. But he's in town. We gotta go to this concert. Oh, you won't believe what this one across the street, you know? Matt Dillon, no, he's Whatever, this guy, that guy, and this so problem, that so problem. Because in this world, when a person comes to the real world and he leaves this little teeny world and he realizes that that was just under the rock. But under the rock is not the real world. Therefore, the world of the soul, the world of the shaman, the world that the Torah teaches us about, the mitzvahs that the Hashem talks about, these are not mitzvahs for small little beings. These are mitzvahs for giants, for huge, huge souls. So, in this world, we think the worm is the king. The worm is just bait. That's the Mishnah. The end of a person is Rima Vasalea, maggot, nothing. The worm is nothing. The human being is nothing. What is something? The soul. The Torah. The Mitzvah. That's what's real. So don't wait, girls, till they flip the rock. Then it's too late. Understand that where we see the people in power in this world is nothing. They're nobody. 
to no one. They're not the king because they're bigger and stronger and richer or prettier. That doesn't make them any better than we are. Sure, under the rock it looks that way, but the world is not under the rock. Once the rock is split, that's when we see what the real world is. What does that do with Pasha's Pentecost? Not much. <laughs> it just happens to be a discussion that I had this week with this young man, and I feel that many people don't know and don't understand the greatness of who they are. And they live under this rock and they, and they bow down and, and, and are obedient to the worm, which is money and power and cover. And they have to understand that that's not the king. That's not who's running the world. Because Barbara was running the world. And that brings me to a very, very important lesson that I think we need to talk about. I have to be careful what I say. Because I don't want to, I'm not really talking halacha tonight, I'm talking the spirit of the law, I'm not talking the letter of the law. I would like to talk about the three weeks. Now, there's a lot of people that are Sephardim and they're Ashkenaz, I don't really know the Sephardim halachas, so I'm going to talk to Ashkenaz halachas. So for the three weeks which started yesterday, Ashkenaz are not to shave, we're not taking haircuts, and we're not listening to music. We're not allowed to make a wedding. Uh, in the nine days, we're also not allowed to swim, and we're not allowed to wash our clothing. Okay, so they have gotten around all this. And I get my questions, and they started today. Uh, Walton, I you, my teacher in seminary told me that you're not allowed to listen to live music, but tape music, you are allowed to listen to. Is that true? Uh, if you get a headache, and you're doing homework, and you only do homework to listen to music, so it's really for medicine that you're listening to the music. And for medicine, are you allowed to listen to music? I can't drive my car unless I listen to music because I get very nervous. If I'm very nervous, I might crash into a pole. So the music gets me to drive the car the way I'm supposed to. Brother Wallstein, I bought concert tickets. I did not know that when I spent all that money on the concert tickets that it would come out in the three weeks. It's a summer kiss. It's a large amount of money lost. The halacha, if it's a large amount of money lost, am I allowed to go to that concert? Anyway, I cannot sell the tickets. I get all these questions. Then, we have that new music, which all the farm stores sell. Acapelago, Acapichico, whatever it's called. There are a bunch of guys singing, they make it sound like it's real music. You got a guy in the background, he's banging on a table, it sounds like drums. Another guy's making it with his lips, it sounds like a violin. And you put on the thing, and it might I say a lot of this food because it's depressing, but, but yeah, now they're going to call me and complain. But the nice stuff, right? So all the sports stores have Acapelago, and you have a hundred different pages now that go on this food in three weeks. Acapelago, because there's no music. I was singing, but it doesn't say that. It says, it says, it says no music. Then in the nine days, there's a thing called the seal. Now, we have a seal, right? You're allowed to eat at a seal, you're allowed to eat flesh, because the meal is supposed to be meat. I can have them, they don't eat meat for nine days. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, there are ads in the Jewish press and other places, but there are restaurants in the nine days that every single night they can see them. Everybody runs all of a sudden. A whole year, nobody invited me to see them. In nine days, I can find kind of that we go to. But I ran all the time, it's the loophole. Halakhically, you can go to the seal. All of a sudden, there are women going to see women. Because it says that your husband invited to the barbecue, to this guy who finished, finished a seal, either you finished a massacre, a book of Gemara, 
So at the end, you make a party. And that party is supposed to be made for me. So if you happen to make the same, if you make a bridge in the nine days, why you make me? No problem. So, so you have guys learning to finish specifically in the nine days so we can go to a barbecue. And my wife can go, who never learned a piece of tomorrow in her life, right? Who never went to a scene in her life, but she's allowed to go because I'm invited and I married her, she's allowed to go, and therefore my kids are allowed to go. And all of a sudden you have the scene in the model telling you 600 people having laughed, you know, lamb chops and steak and pranks on, a, on, a, on in the nine days. And how logically, it's 100% correct. So, I would like to answer the Shiloh of music and archipelago and CEO and all the like archipelago, that's a good word, right? Um, and all these different questions I'd like to answer. I tried to explain to you, and I did it last night, I tried to explain to everyone what the three weeks are all about. So yesterday the Shabbat the town was five things happened. The Lukos were broken. Pretty sad. And Hashem wrote it with his own hands because Lukos, it was smashed to pieces. The walls of Shalayim were broken. The carbon tumid, one of the very heavy big sacrifices, they, they, the Goyim changed the lamb into a pig. That was put up the wall. The wall of Shalayim shook. They took it and fell at uh, and Zara, They put it up inside the base. I think the Shabbat Kobanek stopped. A lot of bad things happened on Shabbat Shalom. And from then until Shabbat was total destruction, millions of Jews died to the base. I think it was totally destroyed. And we were thrown out of Eretz Yisrael and thrown out of Yerushalayim. And we went through two destructions of the base on English. So, so we're mourning. These three weeks, we're mourning. But for some reason, everybody thinks that what are we mourning? We're mourning, we lost Beit Hamikdash. We lost Yerushalayim. Right? We lost a lot of people died. It's about us. It's about us. And I'll tell you how I am born. If I want to go to see him, right? It's about my loss, I can decide how sad I want to be. So I want to go to see him, I want 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 to go to a, a movie that doesn't have music. I get that also. A movie that doesn't have music, so you can go to that. And that leads into, so can you watch television that doesn't have music? Can you watch Oprah? Can you watch a talk show? Which I don't want to go here, but can you watch a talk show that doesn't have music? Could I rent DVDs because it's not really going to a movie? Which you're not allowed to do all together, right? And all these crazy questions come up. So everybody else gives a different answer. I'm giving one answer. And my answer is that we're not mourning these three weeks to have thoughts contrary to popular belief. We're mourning these three weeks what happened to God. It's not about us for three weeks in the nine days. It's about Hashem. Hashem lost his children. Hashem lost his house. Hashem lost his city. The Beit HaMikdash was which I can't keep this off of. I'm the Beit HaMikdash, not you. So the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed. I lost my house. I lost my children. I lost Yerushalayim. So I'm asking my children to mourn for three weeks for me. Not for you, but for me, says Hashem. Now, we have to understand something. We can't really mourn for Hashem. Because no one in this room can understand for Hashem, Hashem's pain. Because the halakha is that if a parent loses a child, not for Shalom, it should never happen. So the parent has to be in awful for 30 days. If a husband loses a wife, not for Shalom, or a wife loses a husband, she's a she or he is an awful for 30 days. 
Well, if you lose a parent, you're an uncle for a year. And the question is why? Why for a parent are you an uncle for a year? And for a child, only 30 days. And for a husband and wife, only 30 days. Why do you want for a year more for a parent than you do for a child or a husband and a wife? So the answer is, the chas of shalom, when someone loses a child, that person mourns for the rest of their life. They never forget. You lose a child, chas of shalom, you never know, but they never forget that they lost that child. They don't need any reminder, they don't need no kaddish, they don't need nothing. Every day they walk around with a picture of their child, they'll never forget. So Kurt Rohu said 30 days. When a husband loses a wife or a wife loses a husband every single night, that wife or that husband comes home alone and sits at the table in the kitchen alone and goes to sleep at night in the bed alone, that person Hashem doesn't need them to say Kaddish every day to remember that they lost somebody. They know they're lonely, they're alone. They know every single day that they lost somebody. And Hashem says, 30 days is enough. For a person who's a parent, we're all human, and Baruch Hashem, we have parents, when we lose a parent, it hurts. But we have life. You know, we're married, we have children, we miss our parents, but we're already moved on. We don't, we're not that close to them anymore. We call them every day. How are you doing? So I won't call them every day. I'll open my sitter and I'll say, how are you doing? So I heard Baruch who says, parents, you're not, you're going to forget. And therefore, I'm going to make sure you don't forget. And therefore, for a year, you have to sit down. And for a year, you can't go to weddings. Because when you come home, to your children, to your wife, or you're working, or school, or wherever you're going, you know, you're not missing that parent. You're missing a little bit, but you're not really missing that parent. Hashem says, one year, you are going to miss that parent, and therefore you are an awful free. So we see from this that the pain of losing a parent is nothing compared to the pain of losing a child. Therefore, even if we understood what it meant to lose Hashem, the Shekhinah, our parent, in the destruction of the Hamidah, we understand that that doesn't compare to God losing his children. Because losing your child is something you never forget and you're always in pain. So a person who can't tell the human being to suffer in the three weeks equally that you understand my pain. We cannot understand this pain. Hashem says, I want symbols of my pain. I know that you can't understand my pain. So a symbol of my pain is don't shave. A symbol of my pain is don't listen to music. Not the end of the world. Not listening to music. You listen to the news, you listen to tapes. I'm not telling you you can't eat anymore. I'm not telling you you can't drink anymore. I'm telling you in nine days you have to eat dairy, pizza, baked ziti, whatever you eat that's dairy. I'm telling you that in the nine days you can only drink water. You can drink anything you want. So what Hashem is asking for us in the three weeks and the nine days is show me a symbol that you care about my pain. So don't shave. And don't take the haircut. And don't listen to music. And don't eat in the nine days meat. So what do we do? We go ahead and we go, Yes, my husband is pain. Instead of a crazy man, I'm going to go and I by myself. Twelve guys singing. And I'm going to sit in my car and I'm going to drive while they're singing. So, you're missing the whole point. The whole point is to say, Hashem, I can't understand your pain, but I understand what you've lost. And therefore, for the next three weeks, Hashem, I'm not even thinking about listening to music. And, 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 and if it was six weeks, I would do this for six weeks. Because Marvel, I understand you lost your children. 
Rolls around in the world of ghosts. In the time of the pandemic, there was no cancer. There was no people being poor. Everybody was healthy. It was the, from the beginning we just came out greatness and goodness to the whole world. So because the economy was destroyed, I'm sure the children are now going off the barrack. Some of them marrying non-Jews. Some of them cursing Hashem. Some of them laying in hospitals with cancer. Marriage is falling apart. So you think we're all in pain, right? Oh, you say, look what's going on in Feinstein. Oh, people are married to the point of People are sick. Those are our brothers and sisters. Those are our husbands and wives. But those are our chef's children. When a child gets sick, the parent is not normal anymore. When a parent gets sick, oh, they take the hospital, do it, take care of you. When a child gets sick, the mother's like, oh my God, he has no life anymore. Because one who has no life, so to say, his children are sick. And why are they sick? Because it's structure based. I mean, before it's structure based, everything was fine. So Hashem is asking everybody for three weeks to show me that you understand that I'm in pain. So don't listen to music. So why are you asking Rabbi Wallace me? Is it live music? Is he talking about live music? Or it's like, what's it ready? What is he talking about exactly? What are you asking me such a silly question? If you understand that it's the of Hashem, why are you asking me such a very, very silly question? And you want to shave? Is he going on a date? I've been asking me to perfection. So I look like a monster. So I'm going to go out with me. I have to be a child of the staff. Or I'm at work and I did. And it bothers me one guy told me I get really itchy. You know what? I feel very nasty. I shut off the children and you get itchy. Mm. It's a really terrible thing. I really think you should shave, you know? I shut off his, 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 his castle and your face gets itchy. It's a big problem. If you get ahead when you drive, you know, that music, really. Compared to what Hashem lost, I really don't have to you. So it's because we, we're ignorant. And we don't understand that the three weeks and the nine days are not about us. It's about the Golas Hashkina. It's about God's pain. It's not about us. And therefore, all these questions are very silly questions. As far as the scene is concerned, halakhically, you go to a scene. But the guys maybe just to see them just to get around so they can eat meat, what are they saying to Hashem? My having a lamb child is more important than what you're going through. So halakhi might be right, but the spirit of it is probably wrong. It's a very good marshal. Very beautiful marshal. Dilma Mani says, he says the following. He says, and this is something that we say, we pretty much say every day. He says like this. He says, there was a king, and the king was sent into exile. His country, his people didn't like how he was treating them, and they threw him out. And he went into exile. But the new king that came in was much worse. So they sent, they had an old man that was still in the time of the old king, and they said, you know, you're his friend. Go to the old king in exile and tell him we want him back. Okay. So the old man went, and he said, Came to the king in exile. He said, "You know, your people—they uh, apologize for throwing you out. They really, really want you back. They really want you back." He said, "I don't believe it. I don't think they want me back." He said, "I'll tell you what we'll do, Mr. Bill. Man, you get dressed up as a peasant, come with me. We'll walk through the country, and we'll hear how they're talking. If they're happy, if they're not happy. If they're not happy, you know, they want you back." The king said, "Okay, deal." They really want me back, I'll come back, even though they threw me out. So, that's what the king did. 
He gets dressed up in the peasant. He walks to the first town. There's a big soccer match, right? Everyone's cheering and yelling and drinking. It's a big party. He goes, this town doesn't look like they miss me very much. Go to the next town, they're showing a movie. Next town is a play. Everywhere he goes, people are partying. It's a party. It's a great time. He turns to the old man and says, what are you talking about? They don't miss me. They're having a life. They're enjoying themselves. They don't miss me at all. The old man says, okay, let me ask you something. You know where the palace was in the capital. Since you left, it was firebombed, it was destroyed. You're real loyal people, the real loyal ones to you. They're by the old broken down palace every day, calling your name and asking for you to come back. Would you come back to them? And he says, I would even come back to them. Let's go to the palace. So they come to the palace, and they walk up to the broken walls, and guess what's going on? There are a bunch of kids there and people there, and they're taking pictures. Oh, uh, that's where the king used to walk. Let's take a picture that I want you to go to the left or the right. Call me here. Ah, nice picture. Happy there. And that's where the king used to sleep. Go, go, go right there, go right there. Ooh, ooh. Take a picture, take a picture. You know? Digital camera, video camera. Everybody's busy taking pictures. And they keep standing here and saying, these are the people that we need to meet. I became a, a picture gallery, a place to take pictures. And the king walks, turns around, broken hearted, as people don't want it, and he leaves. The marshal is doing no money. So girls, let's think for a second. Every day we have them. It's a chazenei, name of Rishul Kholitzion, Barachamim. Because both of our lives are to you, you should please come back to Tzion, Terry Tzitzvah, Baruch Atu Hashem, Hamashtu Shiyotu Tzion, Baruch Atu Hashem, who's going to be here? Come back! Come back, Terry Tzitzvah! Right? We say, Yushalayim, Baruch Atu Hashem, we're going to have Yushalayim. Right? We say, Baruch Atu Hashem, we're going to have Yushalayim. So every day, every morning in the school, God is Hashem. We exiled you. We threw you out. So the Barabados, we want you back. We don't like what's going on here. Hashem says, okay, let me see. So yesterday, Hashem came down to the world to find out how much we missed him on the day before. And he went to Catskills. And he went to Walmart. Even God has a shop. And they're standing out there at Walmart. The girls and boys laughing, joking, Having a great time. Rebbe! You're lying on the Yankee game just the three weeks in the nine days? There's no music. We'll wait, we'll step outside and do the national anthem. Can you go to the Yankee game? Do you know how many people go to the Yankee game during the three weeks? They don't go, they don't go a whole year? Well, because they can't go to the movies and they can't go to other places. So the Yankees sell more tickets during the three weeks we choose than any other day of the week because it's three weeks. So the chef says, let me go see. Let me go see if it's three weeks, if they miss me, if they want me back. You see, so we had a pretty good time in the Yankee game. And the next day. And he walks around and he looks and he says, everyone seems to be having a very good time. No one seems to be missing me, even though you keep saying it's my answer, I want you back. So he said, okay, Hashem, go back there. It's small. Check out the coast on my rugby where your base of English used to be built and where it's destroyed and see what's going on there. Okay, let's check that out. It's Thursday morning, not it's a day. Everyone's standing by the wall. Get a little closer to the wall, get a little further to the wall. It's a tourist place. Everyone's coming to take pictures. What are we taking pictures of? We're taking pictures of the worst nightmare that ever happened to the Jewish nation. 
and taking pictures of the last remnant wall of the total destruction of the Rebarthi's house. Who are you taking pictures of? Why is that a typical place to take pictures? It's a place for tourists. It's a place to take a tehillim and to cry your eyes out. And to say, Hashem, I want you back and miss you. Not a place to go with your friends on Friday night and make it a social evening. Not a place to go on a Sunday and a Monday and take pictures and say, we're going to go home and show mommy picture. You ride across the kid. You ride across the... We totally, we totally are so not hooked up understanding what the culture represents. Culture represents the destruction of everything. So when we come to the culture, the only thing that we should do on the culture is say, I miss you. I'm here for that evening. I'm not here for Friday night to meet my friend, to meet this friend, to meet that friend, to get together, to walk to the hotel. No. Totally miss the whole picture. So the three weeks and the nine days, Hashem says three weeks out of the year, I'm asking you to symbolize. You can't even do what I just symbolized, but you understand my loss. So if everyone in this room understands that, there's no question to go to the Yankee game. Because I want to go to the Yankee game. Is there where I want Hashem to find me during the three weeks when I'm supposed to steal his name? And if you want me to find me in a movie theater, if you want to find me at Walmart, where do you want to find me? He wants to find me, maybe in my house, maybe this is the three weeks we should take on that when we say, this is a then we should cry a little to and this I want you back. Maybe we should take on one prayer a day. Well, the last prayer is one answer when you say to you up, and you up, when you ask you to finish one answer, you're up to hold an answer, she might have been English. We don't even think about that, that's not where you're at. Because what about why you build two days in English? So, girls, we are mourning the next three weeks in Hashem, not for ourselves. So there should be no questions to me or to anyone else. Is this good? Exactly what this good? You know in your heart. I, I was just playing them last night. Could you imagine? You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.